And Lord, it truly is your kindness. It truly is your kindness that leads us to repentance. It truly is your kindness that draws us near and close. Thank you for being so approachable. Thank you for being so loving. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us in, in such intimacy. It's your kindness. It's your kindness that draws us in. And today we surrender in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, um, I know we've already been told this, but since maybe somebody doesn't really know who's behind the mask, just let somebody know who you are as you are taking your seat uh, there. And besides, we haven't seen each other in so many months. You don't know. Something, something could have happened, you know. <laughs> All your teeth got pulled out or something. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know. Wonderful. Could we thank our team? Aren't they just fantastic today? Fantastic. We're open, hallelujah. Our theme is open. Our Bible has been open. We opened our Bible this year seeking to have a revival of the Bible. And our heart, our heart has been open, open to the Lord. And of course, we've learned and are learning the power of opening our mouth, knowing that literally death and life are in the power of our words and, and what we say. And that our words, we, we create an atmosphere or an atmosphere with our words. Our words are so powerful. Our words direct our life like a rudder or like a bridle. And we, under, we just understand God created the world with his word. And there's so much of the world that you live in that you create with your world in a smaller sense. But uh, emotionally, the, the world that people live in with you and near you is often created by the word that's in your mouth. And that's why Jesus teaches us that we must take heed. We need to take heed of the words that we speak. Jesus said we're literally justified or condemned by our words. One translation says salvation and damnation are in the power of our words. Jesus teaches us, and this is, you know, like, okay, Lord, wow. But Jesus teaches us that we are accountable for the words we speak. In Matthew 12, 36, we read this. You can be sure of this. When the day of judgment comes, Everyone will be held accountable for every careless word he has spoken. Careless, careless words are like embers. Careless words are like embers. And embers, it's like a cigarette butt that's still smoking. That's what careless words are like. And embers can burn down a house or a forest or a town. Or we can burn down our, our own lives or someone's reputation. With the, that's why we're accountable, Jesus said, for every careless word we speak. Be, why? Because there's so much power and so much responsibility in it. We also know that when we speak, uh, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How many know that's exactly how fear comes as well? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Fear comes by hearing and hearing. The Bible says that the word, think of this, the word of faith 
is in your mouth. Oh my goodness. The word of faith is in your mouth. So is the word of fear. So is the word of strife. So is the word of life. So is the word of contention. The word is in my mouth. And that's why we need to seriously take heed of the words that come out of our mouth. So years ago, as I was considering these thoughts and actually overcome and overwhelmed by uh, understanding how powerful words are, literally life and death, I remember where I was sitting in my chair many years ago and I prayed this prayer. I said, Father, if words are so powerful, would you teach me the most powerful words I can say? And right after I prayed that prayer, in just a few moments, I began to write. And here's what I wrote. I believe. I care. I forgive. I need. I submit. I will. I won't. I am. I can. And last week we went there. We, be, we, we spoke about I can from Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on. Through Christ I can. I can. I can. And I was writing these words down after I asked the Lord to teach me the most powerful words I can say. And that ninth word that I wrote down, I can. I can do everything and anything that he empowers and enables and endues me with strength to do. And so can you. Come on. You can. We can, I can. And I can is one of the most powerful words that we can say. And after I wrote that ninth word down, I wrote the 10th word down. And when I wrote it down, I, can just, I just remember that moment. And it's what I believe the culmination of all nine other words coming together in the 10th thing that I wrote down, the 10th word, and that is I must. I must, I must. All nine powerful things that I can say brings me, they're like nine pillars that bring me to the capstone of what this truly is all about. And that is, I must. I must moves me from complacent to compelled. I must. When I say I must, I decree that I am in the grasp of something bigger than me, something greater than me. When I declare I must, something has gripped me, something has laid hold of me, something has grasped me, and it's no longer just I can. It's I must. I must. And when I say I must, and when you say it, be warned, all conventional thinking goes out the door when I am in the grasp of I must. I must. I'm overcome and I'm overpowered by a cause that is greater and mightier than just myself. I must leaves me very few options, if any options at all. I can, when I say I can, there are many things that I can. I have lots of options with I can. And there are things that I can do. But then there is that I must, I must do, I must and I must goes far, far beyond 
I can. As a matter of fact, it's so easy to speak and preach on I can. You know, any good mentor or coach or parent can really encourage I can. But today I'm going to a place it's not easy to talk about. It's not even easy to describe. It's not easy to lay out there and to, and to dissect and to break apart like I can is easy. But I must is, is something else. It's in another place. It's in another sphere. And I hope God will help me today share what I, what's inside of me. Share what's deep in me. I must. Now in Luke chapter 2. And in verse 41, we read that when Jesus was 12 years old, do you remember when you were 12 years old? Do you know anyone that's 12 years old? Who knows somebody that's 12 years old? Okay, I see some hands going up. Well, when Jesus was 12 years old, his family and him went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus, the 12-year-old boy Jesus, lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother Mary did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, the day's journey out, the day's journey back, and the day seeking in Jerusalem, they found him in the temple. In the temple, sitting in the midst of the teacher's both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard this 12-year-old boy, all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. And so when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said, To them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? I must. And we know that that which grasped Jesus As a 12-year-old boy, never let go of him. In John chapter 9 and verse 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me. I must work. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day because the night is coming when no one can work. Jesus would say to the disciples when they would beg him to stay in a village, no, I must preach the gospel in other villages also because this is why I've come. Jesus said there are lambs from, from another flock and I must get them. I must, I must. Jesus knew what he must do. I must. I must. This was on the Apostle Paul when he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15, he said, for preaching the good news 
It's not something I can boast about. I am compelled by God. I am constrained. I am in a strait. I am arrested. It's what this word means in the original language. I must. I must. I'm compelled to do it. I'm, don't talk to me about preaching. Oh, that, that's no, no, no. He said. He said that's not something I can boast about. I'm compelled to do it. How terrible for me if I don't do it. Woe is me if I don't do it. I must. I must. I'm compelled. I'm compelled by God to do it. This spirit was also on the Baptist, John. I asked my grandpa, and by the way, John the Baptist was in the southern part of Israel, so he was the founder of the Southern Baptist Church. That's what my grandfather told me. He told me that. I said, Grandpa, I said, because we were all Baptists. We were all Southern Baptists. I said, Grandpa, where did the Baptists come from? He said, we all came from John the Baptist. (laughs) I think they even teach that at Alpha Crucius. I don't know. (laughs) But the Baptist said, in John 3.30, he must increase, but I must. Decrease, I must. He must become greater and greater, but I must become less and less. He must be more seen and more seen, but I must be less and less seen. I must. This is not about comfy and cozy. This is about conviction and constraint. I must delivers me from a casual and careless and unconcerned Christianity, which is the very kind of Christianity that Jesus was speaking of in Revelation 3.16 when he said, I will spit you out of my mouth. Or as the Message Bible says it, the stale and stagnant make me want to throw up. I must moves me to the mission. I must. I must delivers me from a consumer Christianity to a consumed Christian. I must. I must. I must apprehend that for which I have been apprehended. I must lay hold of that. Of how Christ has laid hold of me. This is what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. He said not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on, I press in, I press forward, I press that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I need to embrace that for which I've been embraced. I must lay hold of that. I must, I must lay hold of that. And I do not lay hold of it casually or conveniently, but fervently and fiercely and forcefully. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twelve, 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. The kingdom is for the fierce. The passion says it this way, 
From the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of kingdom, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth. The passionate people have taken hold of its power. It's the passionate people that have taken hold of its power. I must. I must. I must serve the purpose of God in my generation before I die. I must. And this is what we read of David in Acts chapter 13 and verse 36. After David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died. And he was buried. And that's what's going to happen to me. And that's what's going to happen to you. And I must stand before Christ and give an account to him how I served my generation. I must. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. I must serve his purpose in my generation and then I must die. The great African missionary Robert Moffat, who was the son-in-law of David Livingston, said, we shall have all eternity in which to celebrate our victories. But we have only one swift hour before sunset in which to win them. I have quoted this quote over a thousand times in my life. I must. I must. This is more than I can. This is more than I will. This is more than I believe. This is more than I care. I must compels me and propels me to do the will of God. Jesus said in John 4 and 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I must do it like I must eat. We must eat. We must eat. We must eat. Jesus said, I must do the will of him and finish his work. I must do his will and finish his work. I must. I must do his will and finish his work. I must. I must do his will and finish his work. I must. We must. We must. Jesus told us what we must do. Jesus told us to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone everywhere. And I know this isn't Mission Sunday, but this is a missions church. And we must. We must, we must do his will. We must finish his work. We must, why do we exist? Why are we here? If it is not to do his will and finish his work, we must, we must. We must go, we must give. We must make his last command our first priority. Uh, we, we have no options here. We're in the grasp of something bigger and greater. We must get the gospel to perishing people. We must help the hurting. We must show mercy to the unloved and the unreached and the untold. We must lighten the load of the oppressed and distressed. We must. We must. The Bible says in Proverbs 3.27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. It is in the power of our hand. As David shared a moment ago about generosity, it is in the power of our hand to do so. And we must. This is way beyond I will. This is I must. 
the apostle Peter said, it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. As long as I live. And then he said this, for our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. You and I must soon leave this earthly life too. Now we can't determine when we will leave it or where we will leave it, but we can absolutely determine how we will leave it. We see the Apostle Paul having almost an exact same moment as the Apostle Peter when he says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, I beg your pardon, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. And then he shows us how to go. He shows us maybe not when, Maybe not where, out of my, but he shows us how, how to go. He shows us how to go. And he says, oh, my departure is at hand. And these may be the very last words that we, we read we, 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 uh, of the apostle Paul that he wrote. He's, and this is what he says, I'm about to go. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I fought the good fight. I must, I'm, I fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith family. We must fight the good fight. We must finish the race and we must keep the faith. We must. We must. That's why Paul said in Philippians 1:21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I must simplifies and helps prioritize my life, my schedule, my resources. In Philippians chapter 3, in verse 13, Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth, pressing, leaning forth unto those things which are before, I press, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I am telling you, family, nothing will focus you like I must. I started my talk this morning about Mary and Joseph trying to find Jesus. This was so uncharacteristic of him in every way and yet now here they were. It was, un, it was unplanned that no one could see it coming and yet here they were in an amazing anxiety and stress. And when I wrote the, this book 14 years ago, I tell the story of my four-year-old daughter in 1987, we had just come here. We'd only been here for a few weeks, and I took my, because we come from Yuma, and Yuma's like a double. Yuma's a small farming country town, and here we are in Sydney. And it was like, like New York City to us. And so we just wanted to take in all we could, and so I took my family one Saturday morning down to the Sydney markets. We'd never seen anything like it in our life. And it was just amazing, and it was vast, and it was massive, and people were everywhere, and there was stall after stall, and things we'd never seen before. People were speaking a language we'd never heard before. 
And we were all together, all three of my children, we, we, and Carol and I, we just stayed together, and it was just so interesting, and wow, we're in, can you, we're in Sydney, this, we, we're not in Yuma anymore. And all of a sudden, I looked down, and my four-year-old daughter was not right there where she had been, and I'd only looked a moment ago, and the place was crowded. And I looked back, and she wasn't there, and I stepped back, and she wasn't there. And I went back to the last stall that we were just at and she wasn't there. And my heart began to beat out of my chest and I began to call her name, Carissa, 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 where are you, Carissa, Carissa. And I began to step back and look and I began to expand and all of a sudden I began to, to, at the top of my voice, call her name. At the top of my voice, you throw out all conventional thinking when you are in the grasp of I must. And I called her name Carissa, Carissa, because I must find her, I must defend her, I must protect her, and nothing, absolutely nothing else mattered, including my life. What Joseph and Mary felt over those three days of searching for Jesus, I felt in three minutes of looking for my little girl. I must makes you dangerous. I must make you bold and brazen. And you're not even worried or aware anymore of how shy and timid you are. I must will make you brash and brave. I must make you bodacious and audacious and in your faces. I must fill you with purpose and passion. How are you living right now? I must keep you all in, flat out, fired up and full on. Are you there? Are you there? Or has COVID rocked us all to sleep? I'm not talking about I should or I would or I could. This is I must. Jesus tells us about a woman in Luke chapter 8, up there in the north part of the Sea of Galilee, he tells us about this woman in Luke chapter 8, that she had a flow of blood for 12 years. I, I don't even have a concept of how devastated her life was. And she not only, had, not only did she have this terrible, terrible malady, but all of her livelihood was spent on physicians to help her and there was no help. She just continued to hemorrhage year after year after year. And and Luke says, Jesus says that she came from behind or Luke tells us she came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. Matthew also tells this story, but Matthew gives us a little insight. He says, Matthew says this in, in Chapter 9 and verse 21, Matthew said, For she said to herself, If only, if only I touch his garment, I shall be made well. This woman, anemic, weak, hemorrhaging, broke, and this massive crowd, this immense crowd all around Jesus, pressing him on him, pressing in on him, to the point where later when he says, who touched me, everyone looked at Jesus with incredulity. Can, are, are, are you serious? Who touched you? And yet here this woman, somehow from the back, 
This woman, I must touch, I must. She, she, she said, I must touch his cloak, uh, his robe, uh, uh, the hem of his garment, the, the, the tassels of his tunic. She said, I must. I must reach him. I must, reach, I must touch him. I must draw near to him. I must press into him. I must. I must. I must. And she, she when, I must just, just it, it, I must makes it happen. And before you know it, she is down at the hem of the garment of Jesus and he stops, who touched me? And, and he, when she stands up, Jesus looks at her and he said to her these words, your faith. What does your faith look like? He said, your faith has made you whole. I don't think she was thinking faith at all. She was just thinking, I must, I must, I must, I must. And yet Jesus said, your faith. We see this happen again in Jericho. In Matthew chapter 20, as Jesus approached Jericho, an immense crowd gathered and followed him. An immense crowd, thousands. How noisy would that be? How, how much would be going on? How much talking? How much, how much, you know, happening? Just think of it. Just try to picture it in your mind. And here is this immense crowd gathered and following him. This crowd is moving. This is a moving crowd. And there were two blind men sitting on the roadside. And when they heard, what's, what, 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 what's happened? What's going on? What's, what's happened? And when they heard that it was Jesus passing by, those blind men thought, Jesus is passing by. Jesus is passing by. We must, he must, we must, we, and they begin, they begin to shout, son of David, show us mercy. Son of David, show us mercy. Now this was a noisy, immense crowd. And so these men were, were, were noisier than the crowd and they begin to shout and shout to the point to the point they were saying son of David show us mercy Lord show us mercy Lord son of David this I must rose up out of their mouth they can't see they can't they but they could shout at the top of their lungs and we even read in verse 31 those in the crowd scolded them and told them to be quiet how many reckon those two boys were noisy but all conventional thinking is thrown out the door when I must lay hold of you. But the blind men screamed even louder. Screamed even louder. Jesus, son of David, show us mercy, Lord. Jesus, son of David, show us mercy, Lord. And verse 32 said, so Jesus stopped. He stopped. No crowd stopped with him. Verse 34 says Jesus was deeply moved with compassion toward them. He touched their eyes and instantly they could see. And Jesus said to them, your faith, your faith has healed you. I must in the eyes of God, looks a whole lot like faith. I must, screaming and yelling and ranting and raving to Jesus, looks a whole lot like faith. Your faith, your faith has made you whole. 
Would you stand with me this morning, please? I believe, I care, I forgive, I need, I submit, I will, I won't, I am, I can, all of that lays the platform. For I must, I must do the will of him. I must do his will and finish his work. I must give an account to God for how I've served my generation. I must. I must. Please do not fall for the fallacy or the thought that there is a such thing as a half-hearted, half-baked, casual commitment to Jesus Christ. Please don't fall for that. Please don't go there. Please surrender all. Please lay it all down. Please get focused. Please, please join me and let I must grip your heart and let I must grip your spirit. It will simplify your life. It will, it will simply, it will focus that puts power. It will, I'm telling you, this is the church that Jesus is coming back for. This is the church that he will return for. She's without spot. She's without blemish because her whole focus is I must. I must. I must win for the lamb the reward of his sacrifice. I must gain for him. Our mouth is so powerful. Maybe right now, today, you could think about going home, finding a moment, and writing the two words, I must, and then start putting some lines next to those two words. I must. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this holy moment that's in this house right now. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you that today you are washing us with the water of your word. And Lord, we come to this place where you are Lord of all. And Lord, where we surrender all. And where we decree and we declare. Father, I ask you to wash off of us all of the dust and all of the rust and all of the things, Lord, that have, the fuss, the stuff that's been on us, Lord, over these months and months and months. And Lord, I'm not denying any of it. I just want to lay hold of what is the most important thing. And that is I must do the will of God and finish his work. And I must serve the purpose of God in my generation. And I must die. And I must stand before God and give an account of my life. Lord, help me. Lord, help me not to be deceived. Lord, help me not to be swayed. Lord, help me not to be moved. Lord, help me not to give my best to something that doesn't really matter that much. Help me, Lord, not to be sucked into something that's really temporal or isn't really... Lord, help me to give all that I am to you and to your church and to your will and to a lost and a dying world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.